This is Founders Talk, an interview podcast hosted by me, Adam Stachowiak. We profile founders building businesses online as well as offline. And if you find the show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. If you're on Twitter, follow Founders Talk and me, Adam Stack. Today's guest, once again, backed by popular demand, is Drew Wilson. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, for part two of the show with Drew. I guess that's a little rhyme we'll have to kick off there, Drew. <laughs> that's a good rhyme. <laughs> and back by popular demand, from what I could tell, I mean, fellows on Twitter was just like, we want to hear more from Drew, so we, we got you back. And I am glad to be back. So thanks again for having me. And uh, in between now and then, you've been to a conference and, and have launched products. What's, uh, what's recent on your hit list? Uh, yeah, most recently I just launched... Um, a project that I'm a part of. It's not. I didn't start it. I'm just a co-founder. Um, it's called Advise.me. That's the web address and the company name. And it is a startup uh, incubator and accelerator. Um, so if anyone out there is familiar with like Y Combinator or TechStars or 500 startups, it's very similar to those. Uh, there are some. We do have our differences and advantages. Um, for instance. Uh, all those ones I just named off are like classroom-based um, accelerators. So there's like a start date and an end date, and everyone comes in at the same time, and they, they work on things, their different projects. And then uh, a advisor will come in and speak to a room of people and give them advice on whatever they're skilled at. Ours is a little different. We build you a customized team of advisors that work with you and you only. So we kind of like assess your business and decide where you need uh, help at, and then we match you up with advisors who have experience in those areas, um, and then they they're like your little team, and they'll actually do stuff for you. Like an advisor, if he's a UI designer, he might actually design stuff for you. If someone uh, is a mar- is a marketing dude, he'll actually market for you. That kind of stuff. So it's a little more um, involved and hands on. So it's a pretty cool program. Yeah. How do you? What's the I guess the most common type of business that will come in and and uh, become a part of this program? Uh, Technology startups. I mean, pretty much just what TechCrunch blogs about. Um, we do all different verticals, but uh, the way you the way you can get involved is if you go to advise.me. Uh, there's the Global Startup Initiative page or GSI, and that will give you the rundown on all the benefits you get, including funding and all this other stuff, office space, um, and then you can apply. And after you apply, we'll take a look at your your idea, your company, and we'll decide if it's a good fit for us. If it is, then we'll engage. I guess what I mean by what kind is at what stage? Because, I mean, it, oh, you could okay. be at the idea stage, or you can have a concept, or you could be launched even. Yeah, yeah. We we look at early stage companies. I mean, we're open to all, but um, we it's easiest to work with early stage companies in this kind of a program. But yeah, we're, we're open to all. And it's the Global Startup Initiative, so we're open to people everywhere, so... Making magic happen one company at a time. That so, is correct, Bob. <laughs> you didn't start this, but you're a co-founder. So yes. what's this about? How did you get in? I mean, so, back in episode one, we called you a renaissance man, and we said you're a designer, a developer, and now you're an incubator. I mean, what, what's the give here? I personally am an incubator. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Solomon Engel uh, approached me, asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. And after some thought, I said yes, and so I am now a part of it, and it kind of helped him from 
the beginning, get this thing uh, ready for launch, and we launched it Tech uh, TechCrunch Disrupt, and it was cool. And then TechCrunch, uh, after we got back, featured us on their website, which was pretty snazzy. And we've been getting hundreds of uh, applications, so we have a lot to go through. It's pretty rad. There's this uh, company called Toy Guru, which I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's basically Netflix for kids' toys. So the idea is that parents uh, rent toys, and then they're like sanitized and you know sent out. So the idea is that you know if your kid always has new toys. You're not going to get bored. You're not going to have like a the big like a bunch of toys stacked in your garage. So it's a cool idea, and it was on Shark Tank, which is one of my favorite shows. Um, it's a television show on NBC about entrepreneurs go in front of these um, angel investors and VC dudes and uh, pitch them their idea and hopefully they get funding. It's a super rad show. Mark Cuban has been on it multiple times. Um, anyways, Toy Guru was on that show. My wife and I were like super stoked and we were going to try it out. And then that the lady who has or who started Toy Guru actually applied to our program, so that was pretty cool. So that's like a nice little turnaround for you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, incubation, I mean, this, I guess you could say that there's a lot of them out there. What makes Advise Me different? Well, yeah, I kind of went over that with the the way we build a custom team for you. Um, and it's more of a long-term uh, commitment on our end. Uh, it's not like, like a camp style or a class style incubator. Um, we, we accelerate you to growth and then we also incubate you, so more long-term. But... One of the things I noticed at TechCrunch, just kind of going slightly on slash off the subject, is uh, there's a lot at TechCrunch Disrupt. There's a lot of um, startups out there, like like a ton, right? Like a ton. So um, everybody has like these little ideas, right? And they all want funding for it. And I went around. I talked to pretty much every startup there and just kind of told them what we're doing, but. And got to know all these people and super cool people building super cool projects. But the thing is, like, one thing I kind of realized is people aren't really satisfied with having a cool little idea and just making some money off it themselves. You know, everybody wants to take their little idea and, you know, get funding. For instance, there are things on par with my app Screeny and not, not a screen recorder, but I'm just saying something that in that deep of a project. That, that kind of size, yeah, right? That kind of size who are, looking for funding and they paid a bunch of money to come to TechCrunch Disrupt and this is listened to episode one of, of this uh, conversation with you yeah. and <laughs> no, like I mean, five grand and you get started and <laughs> yeah no I mean but it's, it's kind of crazy because it's like I not all ideas are meant to be turned into businesses some ideas are just ideas and and people should just have fun like making them and not worrying about getting funding like everything you do doesn't need to be funded and doesn't need to turn into a massive empire I mean like I have no intentions of like turning screening into anything bigger than it is, and I'm totally fine with just you know selling it as as a for fun thing, right? And there are a ton of people at TechCrunch Disrupt who I think should do that very thing and not spend money and resources trying to get funding for some idea that in reality is not a business; it's just an app. You know what I mean? There are so many so many things out there that are just apps, and they're definitely not businesses. I mean, at most. They might get acquired by somebody bigger for a very small amount of money, but the odds of that happening are very small because of the fact that the app um, does not have too much IP or intellectual property behind it. It's not a very difficult app to build, you know. So, I think, I think if you're going to build something, consider the idea at least of of not worrying about turning it into a full fledged business and just, you know, either do it for free or or make something that you know will make you a little bit of money and don't worry about. 
That kind of goes back to what you said last time, too, about passion, that you know, kind of what you got you to where you're at now is because you were pursuing the goals you have had over the past few years with passion, unless you've got passion yeah, yeah, for what you're doing. I mean, if you're just in it for the money or the, the glory of being Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Yeah, then. exactly. And don't – yeah, for sure. And, and you've got to be real with yourself, too, and don't be like, well, just because I made it and I think it's a good idea means that everybody will. I mean, you've got to be satisfied with the fact that some things you build – are going to only be valuable to people who think along your lines. Like, for instance, my app Fire Rift. Like, it's it's not like I'm going to go try to be the next WordPress or something. I got to be real with yourself and just say, "Hey, let's shoot for something realistic here, <laughs> not try to go out and get a bunch of funding and then fail miserably to your investors." <laughs> so when I look at the uh, advise.me slash team page, man, is there a lot of people on here? I mean, and we're adding some. I'm I've already added a few people that aren't on there yet but um yeah we're continuing to add more people got some really cool people that are going to come on board pretty soon so you had said that advise me gets pretty um ingrained in the the startups and businesses that you start to partner with and you've got a huge list here i mean what's the benefit to to this large team like how do you integrate this large team and give them enough time to give these startups and these these people you're partnering with to to do what you're going to do with them how do you merge the two in a way that makes sense. Yeah, so the idea is that um, we will assess the business and then we'll approach uh, the different advisors that we think would best fit this specific startup's needs and help them grow. And then once we match them, once we figure out who those people are, we'll approach those advisors and say, hey, are you interested interested in helping them out in this way with this product? And if they say yes, then we'll formalize an agreement saying, okay, this advisor is going to do this much and this one's going to do that much, that kind of thing. So it's all done up front. Um, and then if an advisor says, no, I just don't have the time right now, or no, I don't want to be a part of that uh, project, they don't have to be. So that's how it works. And because this is an audio feed, it's not a visual feed. You can't quite see the screen I'm looking at here. But, I mean, you've got people from Amazon, Ning, Scribd, uh, yeah, we got, I mean, we got, LinkedIn. We got uh, um, Trip Adler, the guy from Scribd. Like you said, we have Bram Cohen, the founder and of uh, BitTorrent. We have... Um, Louis Monnier, the founder of Alta Vista, if you remember that search engine back in the day. Back, uh, back in the day. Rafferty Kikorian, the lead engineer at Twitter. Bunch of cool people. So This is wild. I mean, this is this is an achievement. I mean, so the, so you got started with this with uh, his name Solomon, right? He's in this list yeah. a little further down, though. Solomon, Engel, yep. And then I brought on board uh, Damien, uh, Salesforce, the CEO of Media Temple, and uh, Todd, the... Um, uh, founder of the Rackspace Cloud. He's the guy who came up with the idea and built the whole thing. Buck Wild. He's a cool guy. So what exactly is, I mean, you said co-founder, but what is your day-to-day role in this? So I'm the designer. So I design that website. Um, and then there's another designer, Aaron Anderson, who's super talented icon dude, like, and designer in general. This is the first time he tried realistic icons, and look at those things. They're freaking amazing. Like the compass on there and the and the globe and all that stuff. He did it. So he's he does that uh, stuff for advice of me. I do the the regular design, and then we have um, a few developers who did like all the like the HTML, CSS, and the back end code that we have. So very cool. And, and then I guess not very far off the the niche of advisement, you've got a conference that you started. Tell me about this. Yes, ValioCon. Um, <laughs> Valio is the, my company that I started in two thousand eight. And uh, ValioCon is the conference that I put on uh, in May of this year. And we're doing another one 
um, in June of 2012. So I actually just met with my buddy Matt, who's organizing it with me. He organized the last one with me. Um, he's like a partner in Valio with me. And uh, we've got some really rad stuff planned for next year. Uh, I'll have a website up for 2012, like in January. But um, right now you can, if you go to valiocon.com, you can check out the videos from last year and you can even sign up for early bird pass for this, for this next one, uh, 2012. But yeah, Valiocon is a cool conference for designers and developers. Um, the idea is, the, the whole goal behind it is I wanted to make a conference that was like fun and like people hanging out with people. There's no like big celebrities rolling in and being like, oh, I can't talk to him, you know? So <laughs> no, so the speakers are like just hanging out with everybody and it's, there's no like separation or distinction really between a speaker and an attendee. Um, so the speakers aren't stuffed in a room and it's, you know, it's the speaker room or yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, nothing like that at all. So the, and the idea is that I wanted to honor um, people who are doing really rad things, but nobody knows about them. So, the majority of the people who spoke at the first ValueCon was their first time ever speaking anywhere. Um, like, for instance, the guys from Soft Facade, it's the first time speaking at a conference, and they they put on a, a really cool show for everyone, just like how skilled they are. Um, a lot of a lot of cool people, and people really loved it. Um, it was super encouraging. I sent out an email asking people what they thought of the conference, like areas I can improve, what they liked about it, that kind of thing. And then I asked them to rate it overall 1 to 10, like 10 being the best. And average rating was a 9. So that was pretty cool. So it's a small conference. There was 80 people last time. We're going to keep it around the same size, like around 100 people. We're moving the location, though, because uh, it was super crammed um, in this last one. And Carlsbad just does not have a big enough area near the beach to fit everybody. So we're moving down to Mission Bay in San Diego, right on the water. And we have a really cool location, the Hyatt. They have a massive room, so we're going to have plenty of space. I'm even going to bring in couches uh, instead of just chairs in the, atten- in the <laughs> meeting hall so people can just like chill out on couches. So it'll be fun. You know, I saw about this that, I mean, beyond the, the content of the conference, obviously, and the people who spoke, which we can go a little further into that if you'd like, but because there's a, a number of names there I've just been uh, fans of for years now, you know, like Mike Rundle and um, the guys behind Verb. I mean, I think they've just done a phenomenal job yeah. uh, doing what they do. But um, I was on the Flickr. I don't know if that's like the Twitter or not, but it's like the, the Flickr. Flickr. I'm going to make that up right now. The Flickr. Wait, is that a real website <laughs> or is, are you saying Flickr? Flickr. Oh, okay. yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> I was being a nerd. I'm sorry yeah. about that. I call Twitter Tweetsdale. So. Tweets, that's right. You said that in episode one. I for, uh, well, part two, part one of this. Sorry. I was on there, but I was just amazed. Like you, you were on the beach at a bonfire. I mean, it. it, it I saw the campaign monitor had sponsored uh, Hershey's snack bars and stuff. Like yeah. you know, it seemed like I was really bummed. I was like, man, I should have been there. This is this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, man, it was cool. It was a cool time. Everyone had a blast. So it was just a lot of hanging out. Um, we're even going to cut back a little bit on the number of speakers per day this time, since it's three days this time instead of two days, and. Uh, yeah, it'll be cool. There'll be plenty of time to hang out and have fun. Um, and it's actually super inexpensive. Like the price looks large, but that's because it includes all the night stay and food. So, like, you don't, that's like an all inclusive price pretty much. Like, you don't pay anything. You get breakfast and lunches included and your night stay for all the whole time you're there. So, I know when I go places, hotels at least, you know, one, 150 a, a night. So, yeah. 
Yep, yep. And the reason we do that is also to help with the atmosphere that we create, which is everyone's at the same place at the same time, always. And so you're always around people being able to hang out. So no isolation. I like that actually. The what I want to ask you really is is what I mean. You know, you throw you, you're a designer. You're doing some fun stuff. You're creating products and. You're doing advise me, and you're getting out there more. But what would make you want to do a conference? Like, did you just wake up one day and say, "I think I could do it better," or "I think I could do it a little differently," or "Here's a here's a need, and I can fill it"? Yeah, man. I was I just like, I look at all the conferences. This is the real reason. I looked at all the conferences, and I see the same names over and over. And I'm like, what the crap, dude? Like, the main reason I did it is because like I see a lot of these names, and like if you look on the web, you never hear about these people unless. Like it's them speaking. You never see them designing anything super fantastic. You never see them building anything super fantastic. It's like um, some of them were pioneers, like the older dudes. Some of them were pioneers in the web, and so obviously they're you know they they have a ton of respect because of the fact that they were kind of the ones who built the community in the in the first place. But some guys are you know fairly new, and they really don't do anything that great. I mean, you look at Dribble, they get blown away by everybody. I mean, if you look at, say, their developer, you look at GitHub and they get blown away by a lot of people. So they're not really doing anything like super fantastic. They're just, they have a name because they've been speaking for so long. And so I was just like, this is super lame. So that's the reason I came up with ValueCon. And that's the reason I got people that I thought were doing super cool stuff and that aren't getting the kind of recognition they deserve, or at least I feel like they deserve. Um, so that's the reason I came out with the value cons because I wanted to have legit speakers at a cool conference and I thought I could do it. So I think you did a great job. I mean, I think that the, the design of everything, it looks good. I think the, the one thing that I'm, I'm just really curious about is that you've got all these great people here and, you know, in part one of this show, you had said that you kind of came down to Carlsbad with zero connections and here you are a few years later throwing this pretty phenomenal conference that's got, you know, not well-known people, but I know all these people. Yeah. Like Brad Smith and, you know, I mean, Ethan Dunham, Gina Bolton. These guys are all well-known. David Kanata. I mean, these guys are, they're not unknown. So, I mean, how do you, how do you just, you know, do this? Vanity, dude. <laughs> if we're being real, if you ask someone to speak, no matter who it is, they're going to say yes. Yeah. So, it's not that hard. <laughs> So the the key thing is just just ask. Yeah, just ask. I mean, I'm not trying to knock anybody that spoke there by any means, but I'm just saying if you're being real and someone asks you to speak at a conference, it's not very likely that you're going to get a no. So I mean, I coming up with version two of ValueCon, I'm trying to go a little bigger to people that are still not like still don't speak anywhere, but are just like really well known. Um, but I'm I am getting no's so. Well, it's it's cool though. I mean, the people were super rad. I wish they would speak, but because I think a lot of people could learn a lot from them and just would enjoy hearing their stories. Because these are the guys I'm, I'm, I want to get are people that like haven't really told their story publicly. So hopefully, I'll be able to uh, round up some more people like that. Um, so yeah, let's talk about a little of these side products of of ValueCon. You got some swag, some shoes, some shirts, a lot of cool artwork. What what was the idea behind this in terms of like the branding and just yeah, yeah. In general, having cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was talking to my buddy Kyle Steed, and he's the one who built like all the elements for the designs that were made. Um, and I was like, dude, you should totally do some gold shoes and like illustrate on some like gold like chucks or something like that, like basketball type shoes. Um, and it ended up being uh, Vans shoes that he got, and they turned out 
freaking awesome. So he did some one of kind shoes. Um, the shirts, obviously, it's a conference, got to have some shirts. So had him uh, work on a design for that as well. Turned out great. Um, and then uh, we gave away, like, I also wanted to be super fun. And, and I know if I went to a conference, it'd be super cool to win stuff. And so between every single talk that we had, we gave away something. So we gave away an iPad at the end, um, but we gave away like a bunch of different stuff. Like Kyle Steve did a profile of somebody. Uh, someone won the shoes. We gave away an Apple TV. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that we gave away and everybody really loved it. So it was super fun. And we gave it away in a different way most, most every time. So it was cool. So next year is next year's price uh, more expensive than this uh, this past year? It's actually like the exact same price, um, but it's more expensive because we're adding a day. That's one of the things I asked everybody uh, in the follow up email last year was, uh, "Would you like the conference to be a day shorter, the same length, or a day longer?" And the vast majority of everyone said a day longer. So it is a day longer. It is a day longer. So you say January roughly for the Valio 2012 website? Yeah, in January is when I plan to put it out. I have a cool surprise that I'm working on for a special video. I love video stuff, man. Like when I did my Fire Earth thing, I, I said it in the last episode briefly, but I did like a video um, based on a photo shoot I did with my brother. Uh, if you go to the Fire Earth website, you can see him standing there. And I did that photo shoot in 2006. And then in 2007, I made the Fire Earth video out in the exact same location. And that's why he has long hair instead of short hair in the video. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, yeah, I did see um, the screencast in there for that. So I saw somebody. Yeah, the, the video I took off the homepage because I got a bunch of hate mail for having a video. So I just took it off. But it's down in the commercials section at the footer. You can click on commercials and... I had a couple different versions, but I only stick, ended up sticking one up on the website, so you can see it there. But I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, some people asked us to dive a little further into Fire Earth, but I want to hold off on that for just a second and cool. um, dive into Yogurt, which was this ad network you built. I have like zero idea about what you did to build this, but I mean, again, Renaissance man, you're doing conferences, you're doing all these fun things, and now you're building an ad, ad network as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I don't really know why I decided to do yogurt. I just thought it'd be a fun thing to do. Fusion was out there and the deck, they were both um, like creative ad networks. Fusion focuses a little more on like like hip stuff, like people who are making apps and things like that, whereas the deck is more like old school creative. Um, and the deck is larger than Fusion, but Fusion is probably, I don't know, maybe more well-known because of the, the people they have. Um, but anyhow, I was like, hey, that's a good format. I'd like to do that. But those networks are pretty hard to get into. You have to have like somewhat of a name um, and, a, and a decent amount of traffic. And so I wanted to make a network for the people that are doing cool stuff but don't necessarily have a lot of traffic but want to be a part of like an exclusive network that has like good ads because there's, there was absolutely nothing like that for those people at the time. So I decided to make yogurt and... Uh, yeah, yogurt was actually a social network I was building with some pals um, back in like 2004. And so I just reused the domain name and I, <laughs> I just used the name instead of like thinking up a new name. I was like, man, I've never used this domain, so I just got to use it for something. So I was like, oh, I'll use it on the ad network. So that's why it was called Yogurt. 
Um, I think that's cool. I like yogurt. And it's, you know, reusing and not wasting your money is uh, is a lean way to do things, I suppose, to say that. Yeah, yeah. Those dollar bills on startup, you know? Dollar, dollar. Yeah, so it was cool. It, it was fun to build. I used um, just some open source ad software to run the back end with the idea of creating my own software, which I, I had started to do, but um, I just got too busy and so I never finished it. But it was it was a cool project to run. It was extraordinarily time consuming. I had my buddy Matt who helps me with ValueCon. He was the yogurt manager. Kind of from the get go, I knew I wouldn't be able to manage like everything. So he was the yogurt manager. He was the guy who would um deal with advertisers and publishers and make sure everything's all good and and I would design the ads if they needed to be designed and I would approve everybody, that kind of thing, and I would email new people for ads and new publishers, that kind of stuff. But, and it, it ended up being that we had way more um, uh, traction than we could handle, uh, just being two people and both having other things we were doing. So we had like a huge waiting list for publishers, publishers being people that want to display our ads on their website. And it just got super overwhelming. Um, we were adding a lot of like we went like when I first started, I just had my websites on the network, and so there was like a at that time I only had i don't know like hundred and fifty thousand impressions per month across my sites um, and then we slowly added some people and it really started to snowball towards the end of our first year, so it started in April of two thousand ten and then um that's when that's when I launched it, and then by like this time that year, so like September October. It started to like really compound, and we were adding like a million to two million um, impressions per month based on like the new publishers we were adding in, and so it was just getting it was just getting to be a lot to manage, and so I decided we just gotta you know part ways with this thingy. So I asked around and ended up being that a uh, uh, few people were interested in buy sell ads was uh, the one who got it. So. That's that's interesting to me. I mean, I don't know if there's any sort of legal reasons why you can't mention sell price or even what the terms were or how even what the initial conversations were like. But, you know, that's what I mean. You probably didn't spend a ton of money. You said you use open source at first to launch this thing. You reuse a domain. I spent zero dollars to make this thing. So, And how did you get the word out of it at first about even did it just grow because people know you or you just it it grew because of the fact that i was legitimately filling a need um like i said there was at no at that time there was no way for a dude who like knows what he's talking about and and is you know good at what he's doing there was no way for him to get into any of these networks unless he had like a good following um so i made a network that allowed those people to be in you know, a network like that. So it was very easy, extraordinarily easy. I didn't have to do anything to get publishers. I would just make a tweet and just tons of people would ask me if they could be a part of it. Uh, advertisers is a different story. But once I was able to add a good amount of publishers, um, advertisers came as well. So, And so the initial stage of discussions with buy-sell ads, what was that like? Uh, went very quick. <laughs> no, it was, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, just show them like, where we're at, the money that we are getting in, the money that we owe, that kind of stuff. And you know, then they make an assessment whether they do, do or do not want to do it, and they decide they wanted to do it. So, But one of the lessons I learned out of advertising is that if you're going to do a niche network, a catered network, it has a very low ceiling, uh, meaning 
it's a very low dollar amount you can make. Um, if you want to have a catered network, you're going to have to cater the advertisers and the publishers, right? So say you let in 30 um, advertisers per month. Um, that would be really awesome if you're able to get that many. Um, not everybody can even get that many, even the bigger ad dudes. Um, so they end up with like 20 or something per month. And say, let's just say for math's sake, you were selling them at $1,000 a piece per month. You know, it's twenty or $30,000 a month, which um, if you have, you would need multiple people to manage that stuff with you. So, I mean, if you have, unless it's a full-time thing, um, it has a pretty low ceiling. So you can't really go too high. Uh, for instance, the deck, I don't know this for a fact or anything. It's just, this is just my educated guess, but... Um, they have their network, but they also offer uh, consulting services. So, I mean, if they were making a ton of money with advertising like Google or something, why would they have consulting services? Right. You know? So, obviously, it's not... Advertising stuff is all smoke and mirrors. I mean, people assume people are making tons of money, but you're not. As an example, I never turned a dollar with yogurt. So, Not even on the exit? Uh, the reason the, here's the reason is because I always considered it in beta because I wanted to build my own custom backend and uh, that that advertisers be able to log in and manage stuff and publishers as well. Um, so in beta, I didn't take a dime. So for instance, I never took a single cut, right? So I would basically get the money from the advertisers, distribute it to the publishers, and that's it. So I never made a dime, and. The idea was that I would build a backend and make it more manageable, make it make it worthwhile for people, and then I would. Everyone when they signed with me, they knew that I'd be taking a cut um, eventually. But I never got to that point because I got too busy. So it's not like it was. It, I mean, it's obviously my own choice, but um, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm not like <laughs> upset or disappointed about that at all. It was a super cool experience, and I love the fact that I did it. I have no regrets whatsoever. I didn't do it for the money, but. Um, I just did it for the fun of it, but yeah, you said that you did it because you wanted to help people more or less. And I heard I hear this kind of thing in the things that you're doing a lot because going back to screening, you wanted to do something that was helpful, that was small, that didn't uh, try to, I guess, cook the goose for lack of better terms, to do everything you you wanted to do. And Valley mm-hmm. Con, you were trying to cater to people that weren't very well known and help them to become a little bit better well known, and maybe even provide some entertainment, some education to some of the design and development community. Yeah. And then now yoga, you're trying to, I mean, not trying, you you did uh, create an ad network that was catering towards smaller bloggers or smaller people that are, you know, obviously writing good stuff. But it, so it seems like you're just a really just helpful person. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I never looked at it as me trying to help other people, really. I looked at it as more like just making a way for them to be a part of something. I but, what um, I mean by that is that sometimes yeah. people forget that uh, they're always trying to help themselves. And mm-hmm. what you forget is that the more you help others, you're really helping yourself a lot too. Because in the process, you get to feed off of so much that you don't even realize that helping other people is, is such a, a a good thing for you in the end. Because realistically, if you're helping somebody, you're adding value to their life or doing something valuable, they're going to be you know, your friend forever. And they're going to do everything in the future to help you. And yeah. that's just going to build and build and build, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I definitely prefer that method. I definitely prefer like doing things because I like doing them. Um, like I said, I never, uh, 
I considered obviously turning a profit with yogurt. That was my intention eventually, um, but I just never was able to get to that point. It was ended up being more time consuming than I thought it would be, which didn't leave me the time I needed to uh, complete the the back end portion that I wanted to do. So how much how much did Build It With Me prepare you for ValueCon? Um, Meaning that you're connecting de- designers and developers there. You're you're yeah, bringing yeah, people okay, together. It actually didn't help at all. Um, <laughs> Build It With Me was a super cool project. It's one of my faves. Um, I thought of the idea and finished it and launched it in nine days from the time I thought of it till the time I launched it. And it got up on TechCrunch a couple days later, and uh, which is super cool. It's the only project that was solely mine that has gotten up on TechCrunch because um, Advised.me did as well, but that wasn't solely mine at all. Um, but yeah, Build It With Me... I had such high hopes for it. I mean, I still could do it, but I just don't have the time. But um, the first version came out and people loved it. Basically, the idea is that skip skip funding and just bootstrap stuff and just make stuff together. And there was really no way for developers to connect, connect with di- designers and vice versa. So I may build it with me with the intention of later adding like a map view so you could like see people close to you, that kind of stuff. Right now I have this filter thing at the bottom which does that for you, but you know, just different views to see stuff. Uh, I got to 80% finished with a version 2.0 where I had some of that stuff. It has like a better profile page. Um, you can like mark people that you've worked with. Uh, it's more like engaging socially and you can, you can see more about people and like who's connected with who, that kind of stuff. Um, I just never had the time to finish off the last 20%. So I just, it's just literally, it has sat the same way since it's launched. Um, but people still use it. I had, I have this whole featured page where people can submit like their projects they finished that got started and build it with me. And there's hundreds of them, but I just never finished the page to show them off. Um, there are so many people that connect with each other on build it with me. I get emails all the time. It's super cool, super cool. So, and I did some pretty fancy UI stuff that a lot of people have told me they've used for inspiration. So it's pretty cool. Do you mean like you click on one of the person's names on the far right, you get their profile and that... Uh... Yeah, that like slides over and, and there's some other things that people said they like, like the, for instance, the way it scrolls and um, it's all like, you know, fixed page with everything in the middle scrolls. So yeah, It's just like, I like it. Um, yeah. uh, you know, why? Why aren't you doing more with this? I mean, is it just because you're, you're not very passionate about this now or you're kind no, of... No, I mean, I, I am, but it's one of those things where... Uh, you can't make any money on it, and obviously I'm fine with that, but um, I'm working on stuff that can hopefully make me money so I can survive. <laughs> um, it, I mean, my ultimate goal would be to, be to have a team of people that just want to do stuff with me, and we just build all this stuff so I don't have to do it all myself. But it's very difficult to find people that are in a position where they're, they have residual income and they're able to spend all their time working on stuff. I mean, I haven't really found anybody like that. So uh, it's difficult unless you have enough money to pay somebody, which I do not. So, so what kind of feedback do you get from people about the fact that it's, um, that it's stagnant, that it's not moving forward? It's kind of just where it's at right now. I don't think people really care because the purpose I built it for, um, it serves that purpose currently. Uh, there's like 4,500 people on the site and new people signing up every day. Uh, so, I mean... Are you using I'm this the, in any way to help other marketing efforts? 
No, I use it to find people, though. <laughs> um, I use it to find developers. So, as a matter of fact, the guy who is building uh, dialogues with me, I found him on this, and I've done other projects with him in the past. Super cool guy. So, it's an invaluable tool for me. So, I guess what's what's next on your horizon? I mean, you've got lots of stuff that you're showcasing uh, on your website, and the things we've talked about in this show, and, and even part one. But I mean, is there anything that's in your back pocket that You've not mentioned a ValueCon. You've not mentioned at uh, TechCrunch Disrupt. You're not mentioning anywhere else, but there's something you could talk about today to, to the people listening. Yeah, uh, there's a couple things, actually. Um, one of them is SurfedIt, which is a, it's going to be like a check-in style social network for surfers to be able to say, uh, like, for instance, if you were following me, you would get a notification. Drew Wilson paddled out at Ponto Beach, which is my surf spot. And uh, it's just a cool way to get surfers to, um, I don't know, see like, you know, what their buddies are up to, see where they're surfing, see photos of where they're surfing, uh, get to know other surf spots based on like your friends and where they've been and you can track like that kind of stuff. So a cool network for surfers that's actually uh, in the advise.me program called Global Startup Initiative. So it's one of the very, it's the first uh, company to be accepted in there. So Ray Stone started Surfedit and um, he had it going for like six months or so and I wanted to build a mobile app for surfers and so I talked to him about partnering. He was down so I'm now partnered with him and we're, we're building out this, this network together. Um, that's one of them. And then the other one that I am really, really, really want to get done, um, I just got to save a little more money for it though, uh, is an app called Keepsakes, which I don't care at all if anybody buys it because I want it so badly for myself. Um, it's uh, it's going to be an iPhone app with a web companion, and the idea is that um, okay, I'm super horrible at like writing things down that my son does because I have a one and a half year old, and so his um, baby book is slightly empty, <laughs> and what Keepsakes does is it does all that stuff for you. So I'm totally fine with writing like short Twitter posts or Facebook posts about with my son Logan. I never do it on Twitter, but I always do it on Facebook because Facebook's for my family. So like if I, if I, my idea would be just have this app, which I'm going to make called Keepsakes, and I could just like type in like Logan did this and maybe attach a photo or a video and then just like hit save and it saves. And then what Keepsakes will do is at the end of the day, it will compile you know, each post into its own day page, like a journal. So like October 5th, you know, and there's all the things you said about Logan that day and it will compile like a full on book for you. Um, and you don't have to do, you don't have to say what day it is. You don't have to do anything. You just like do like literally just like type some text and hit, you know, and add a photo or video and hit save. And so it does all the hard work for you. There's going to be a web companion so you can share it with family and there'll be themes that you can like choose so you can like have a baby book style theme, that kind of stuff. Um, and eventually I want to make it so you can actually print these things. And after you know a certain amount of time, if you want to, you can save down these pages into a book. So, Man, that's an awesome idea. I can, I've, I've got a seven-year-old daughter and I know that... Uh, you know, when I'm spending time with her, I'm always like taking pictures of her and sharing them on Facebook mm-hmm. too and stuff. And you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. She's seven, and I don't think her baby book is still, uh, you know, that, you that full. I mean, I gotta go back in time to. <laughs> you gotta pretend that you're writing it at that time, October fifth, nineteen ninety six. So this is this is kind of snazzy. So I mean, 
you've got you're a very you know, I don't know if it's easy for you to come up with these ideas, but you tend to have, at least from what I can see, a lot of different ideas. So at what point do you begin to think about how they can make money? Because, I mean, this is obviously uh, able to make money, and Surfed is obviously able to make money. Because, I mean, there's a huge market for clothing and merchandising and stuff like that in, in both of those both mm-hmm. of those ideas. I mean, at, at what point – I mean, you say you're pretty passionate, and that's what drives you. But at what point do you really think about it from a business term? Yeah, so like I look at the idea and decide, can this really make money? You know, if I was building like some server API, right? Like for instance, I did this thing called Restalytics for the Node.js competition, Node Knockout, and yeah, that thing can make some money. But I mean, I'm not going to go raise funding for it. I mean, that kind of stuff. Um, if I made, for instance, Screeny, yeah, I'll sell that thing. I feel like it could make some money. Um, but like jQuery plugins and stuff that I make, I I'd, I'd rather you know, have people be able to just have this stuff for free and use it. You know, I just rather make something useful. So a lot of times um, I'll just look at the scope of the project and like how big can this really get? You know what I mean? Like for instance, keepsakes. Yeah, maybe you could get decently sized, but I would way rather uh, enable everybody to have it. So for instance, I'm att- intending on just charging 99 cents for the app um, and then you get everything for free basically. And then as far as video storage, I'm going to have to figure out something uh, so I don't go in the hoe. <laughs> but uh, um, there'll be obviously some like premium thing there. But anyhow, uh, the idea is that you know, with some of this stuff, if it can get big, maybe I'll just let somebody else deal with that. You know, maybe I'll get approached by somebody or, or, or I'll ask somebody if they want to buy it. And if they do, then yeah, I'll let somebody else deal with that. But um, I don't know. I like making things and I like seeing other people like things that I've made. Like, for instance, getting that feedback on ValueCon is super cool. When I get, like, like screening has a four-and-a-half-star rating, that's super cool to me. So I like that part of it. Um, I do like making money. Yes, obviously, everybody likes making money. But at the same time, I'd rather be known for making cool stuff than, like, making a few things and making a lot of money off it kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's just It's just my personal like path basically but i don't know i feel like you have to just have to be real with yourself and like really say how big can this get because if it's your first project hands down no matter what you think you are right now overestimating how good it's gonna be (laughs) everybody does that it's like the first girlfriend syndrome you're gonna think you're gonna marry her no matter what uh it's like the first house syndrome no one's gonna be able to talk you out of buying your first house you're gonna do it uh same with first car. You know, it's the first everything syndrome. Like, you're definitely going to overvalue stuff. And with products, it takes a while to get to the point where you don't treat them as your baby, right? So, like, fire for me was my first major thing. It was like a baby, right? These days, I'm like, I don't give a crap. Like, I'll just, like, partner with somebody and, like, give away most of the company. And who cares? Like, just let's just get stuff done. So, for me, it took a while to get to that point. Maybe for others, it doesn't. But anyhow, I don't know. You just got to be real with yourself and look at the products and see how big can this really get? And like, would it be more valuable to get, make a name for myself? You know, if you don't have a name for yourself, it's probably more valuable to make a name for yourself and make the thing free or super cheap. So any, uh, any advice beyond that, uh, for making a name for yourself? Like what are some of the most outrageous things you've done to make your, make yourself well known? I spammed like 48,000 people. An email saying how cool I was. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think um, 
obviously, to me, this is super obvious, but if you create stuff for free, that's quality, um, you're pretty much guaranteed, you know? So some people just don't have the skill set to make stuff that's super, super quality for free. Some people do. So for some people, it'll be more difficult. But um, I don't know. I think if you, people like getting stuff for free. It doesn't matter what demographic. People like getting stuff for free. So if you can come out with some helpful tools or whatever, design PSD stuff or uh, jQuery plugins, whatever it is, if you can like help people like, you will get like a name because people will treat you as an expert in that field because someone will do a search for like auto suggest plugin and no one will know how to do it and so they find yours and like oh wow this guy must be an expert you know um, <laughs> right exactly so it's it's not too difficult to build a name for yourself um, the most difficult part is having the time to do it because you have to build something right you have to write a book you have to build a plugin you have to design something you have to make a service so it's it's getting the time the free time to be able to do it that's the most difficult part well you know drew i'm i think you'll probably say this after having two episodes with you back to back that i'm a, a pretty big drew fan and and I, <laughs> I appreciate everything you've done and obviously for taking the time to come back uh two times in a row to to talk to not just me but everyone listening yeah, man. And for those that uh, asked you to come back on, I appreciate it. You know, just know that whenever you tweet to me on Twitter, that uh, I do listen. So I take feedback uh, very highly. So I really appreciate you just listening and giving your feedback and supporting Drew and his efforts. And, um, you know, maybe we'll see you at uh, ValueCon 2012. Yes, please do. Yeah, and thank you for, for having me back. And thanks to everyone who said they wanted to hear more. Um, I had tons of fun, and um, yeah, I have more to share, but uh, in the years to come, that I will do probably- actually have one question for you that I'm going to ask publicly real quick, just because I hit this little, this little, um, this little, I guess it wouldn't be bug, it's more like a desire to have more, and I want all of Pictos in one font. When's that going to happen? That's actually going to happen very soon. I've been talking with um, Ethan Dunham for maybe not quite a year, but probably like nine months or so about this. And Ethan Dunham is the guy who made Font Squirrel. He's pretty much the granddaddy of web fonts. And uh, he's an insanely smart dude. I mean, he built a tool for the web that allows you to upload it, and it converts everything to font face stuff and compiles everything. It does auto-hinting. I mean, crazy stuff, right? Just an insanely valuable tool. So I asked him, I was like, hey, dude, can I just give you a chunk of cash and like license this thing so I can use it for my Pictos project because what I want to do, which I am going to do, is enable you to pick and choose icons to build your own font using Pictos. And that way, uh, because if you had a font that had all the Pictos on it, when you go to load that into the website, it's going to be pretty big. Larger yeah. Than, yeah, it's going to be larger than necessary. So is there even of, enough keys for all those icons? I yeah, don't know. You're no, talking about how many yeah. icons are total in that? There's like 600 or something. Yeah. So once I release four, there's not going to be enough. I mean, you'd be having to hold down alt to push stuff, so uh, um, which is not going to work on the web. But anyhow, uh, the idea is that you'll be able to pick and choose icons. And so say for a project, you only needed 10 icons, and you can pick them, save down a font um, with just those 10 icons. So you can have drastically even smaller than the Pictos font file sizes, vastly insanely smaller than image sprites um, and save yourself a lot of 
headache with that because you can change the font on the fly using CSS the way it looks. Um, so that's definitely the future. John Hicks hit me up and he's writing a book about um, fonts and, and web fonts in general. And um, so Pictos is going to be in there. He did an interview with me about how it all works and code samples and all kind of jazz. So all that's going to be in his book, which is coming out soon, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I'm working with Ethan. Um, he's working on an API for Font Squirrel. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be coming out soon. So I just got to wait for him to finish that baby up and then I will make, uh, yeah, I'll make a, a way for everybody to you know, build their own Pictos font, basically. So it, just uh, just to pin you down to a date because I don't like the word soon, and I'm just being a just being a a heckler I, for fun. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, unfortunately, I cannot pin down a date because um, I cannot do anything until uh, Ethan uh, has his, his has his stuff ready. But I mean, he does an amazing job. He's a super busy guy, so I mean, I am just in his graces for whenever he's able to polish that thing off so actually i've had the, he, the pleasure of having a good chat with ethan about font squirrel about uh i wasn't say almost two years ago so ethan you came on the web 2.0 show back in the day so yeah yeah no he's he's a rad guy i mean he's he's a super cool guy so yeah it'll it'll be soon that's all i can say it'll be soon <laughs> it'll be soon well drew i know you're a busy man you got lots of stuff to do and lots of fun stuff to to keep on trucking on so Oh, if I was going to plug one thing, I would plug uh, Dialogs. Go to dialog.gs and sign up to be notified when it launches because you will not regret it. That's right. <laughs> well, cool, Drew. Again, thank you for taking the time to come back. Uh, love everything you're doing, man. I appreciate your Thanks. Appreciate your it. candor and, and uh, just, you know, what an awesome thing you are for our community and what a, a person of inspiration someone we all look up to. So I appreciate you taking appreciate the time it. to come back huh. and be on the show. Cool, man. Yeah, I had fun. Thanks again for having me. And um, yeah, talk to you soon, I'm sure.